Hey, Lisa. Hey, Julie. How are you? How are you, you doing? <laughs> cold. It's so cold. I don't know. We always tend to open our, our conversations in our podcast with talking about the weather. They're talking about how hot it is or how cold it is. It's just cold. And both of us are, you know, I, we've talked about this before. We are not cold weather runners. I would take 80 or even 90 over 10 or 20 any day. And, and we've seen it affect our own running and our runners that we coach as well. So, um, you know, people forget that the cold weather affects your running similarly to hot weather, like anything, you know, that deviates from kind of that 50 degrees. Um, once we get really cold, our, our muscles can't fire as well. Our, our whole metabolism even change how we metabolize our glycogen like changes. So things change in the cold too. So, um, you know, I, I know I, like I said, sound like a broken record. I always complain about the weather, but it has just been brutally cold. Amen. I think it's important for people to hear that. And you're right. We, we talk about weather a lot on this podcast, but look, we're runners and, and coaches and, and weather is very relevant to our lives as we train and race. So it is an important factor. And I think we all need to remind ourselves that we often see highlights on people's Strava, social media about how great their run is or coming back from a run in the freezing cold and how once they got going, it, it wasn't that bad, but there are many runners and that includes the both of us that really struggle in the cold. So for those listening out there that are just not feeling quite right this week, if you live in a colder climate or even in warmer climates, it's pretty darn cold, even in places like Florida right now. Um, just know you're not alone. Your muscles do contract it, and you're not able to get going as easily. And Lisa, you and I were talking offline before we got started today about how both of our, both of us have not been feeling like ourselves um, in terms of pace and just how our bodies feel as we're doing our training runs this week. And um, I know I mentioned to you and, and you encouraged me to mention it here. I am still not feeling quite uh, back to myself. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was one of so many people we know that was struck with Omicron a few weeks ago. And I unfortunately was laid up for, for a good several days, just not able to get myself going. It amounted to a very bad cold, pretty bedridden. And I didn't jump back into my training, but I certainly acknowledged I was sick and eased back into things. And I figured two weeks later, which is where we are now, I would have already eased back into things and resumed my training as it, as I had intended with Boston being just a little under three months away, but I'm still not there. And as a result, I'm still running shorter runs about every other day and not feeling like myself and the cold weather definitely hasn't helped. So for those out there that are struggling with weather and the effects of Omicron, just know you are not alone. This is perfectly normal. Patience is really important. We all heal at different rates. We all respond to cold sickness, whether COVID or something else, different ways. And it's, it's really important not to compare yourself to other people and to to really listen to your body because it's better to pay for it now than to wait and try and cheat and get ahead or jump back into your schedule as it's written and, and not listen to your body. That is going to cause problems down the line. So I am really trying to listen to my own advice. I even went in for some physical therapy tune-up with Rachel Miller at ProAction Physical Therapy this week, just to have her take a look at me. And she did remark that I am tight. And that is attributable, I'm sure, to sitting more and relaxing more as a result of my little bout over the last month. And so, yeah, uh, to folks out there that are also struggling with this, you are not alone and please listen to your body. And if you have a coach, reach out to your coach and let your coach know that you need some adjustments. And if certainly we are your coaches, we, we hope we already know this, but if you're just not feeling right. Please communicate with us and your coaches. It's super, super important. Yes, absolutely. And as you were talking about that, I just saw a comment come in from one of our runners and I'll read it because it could be from any one of our runners, but it says, I don't mind cold weather running, but 11 degrees was cold this morning. Legs felt heavy because it was so cold, but it helped me keep my pace slow and easy. And that's very typical. We get a lot of my legs felt heavy today and that that's your muscles cannot fire properly in this cold weather, um, especially anything really 10 degrees and under is where that's where your body will really start to um, break down in the cold, but anything, I mean, 11 degrees here this morning, um, you know, it, we have, uh, runners in places in the country where it's negative. Um, it's just not, um, 
it's not uh, it's it's not the best. They're not the best conditions for running outdoors. And if you don't have an option to run on a treadmill indoors, if you are going to head outdoors and it's safe to head outdoors, you just have to adjust and be patient and um, and listen to your body because it's not not ideal conditions. And um, I'm ready for spring. I don't know about you. Absolutely. So hopefully the weather will be better in two weeks when we kick off our February uh, group run at Lululemon. If those, for those who are local, we do a monthly group run free of charge from Lululemon downtown crown. We are super excited to uh, have one in February. We missed the January one thanks to uh, COVID. So we will be back in on February 5th. And so for those who are local and want to join us, we would love to see you. And our runs start at 9 a.m. If you have more mileage to do, you certainly can run before or after. We welcome all paces and we run between 30 and 60 minutes. And generally after the run, the store opens up and generally they've been giving out freebies every time. So if you want some freebies from Lululemon, please join us for the group run and we would love to see you. So today we are super excited to welcome a very special guest to the podcast. Her name is Brianna Bamer. Brianna is has been in the running and triathlon space for over 20 years. She is in the Boston Marathon professional field. She is one of the faster runners in the professional field. She ran CIM in 233. What's spectacular about Brianna is that she is a master's runner. She is 43 years old and really hit her stride, no pun intended, during the pandemic. And she'll share that she found her love of running again after several years of doing triathlon only and how she was able to channel her love of running and training into a tremendous PR that she didn't even know she had in her until pretty, pretty, pretty late in her training. And then she finished CIM and found herself uh, entering the professional women's field at the Boston marathon while she will toe the line this spring and we look forward to meeting her there. This was an incredible conversation. Lisa, I was so sad you missed it. I, I want you to share why you missed it. It was a great reason, but um, <laughs> but Brianna is is just really great. Lots of takeaways with this interview and conversation. And uh, we so look forward to meeting Brianna in Boston in April. Yeah, I was bummed, bummed to miss it, especially saw a lot of the chatter. We had some chatter with her beforehand and afterwards going back and forth on email. And I was really disappointed, but I thank you for, for taking it because um, I got to see one of our runners who lives in Des Moines, who we have coached for um, almost four years, oh, three years, sorry, three years, um, Shannon Archer, who lives in Des Moines, and she was in DC. And she decided while she was here to make a visit to RNJ Sports, which um, she had been in touch with Kelly Scherf, our shoe guru at RNJ, remote um, over over the phone and email, um, probably back in 2000 to help her figure out some shoe issues. She was having trouble, um, trouble resolving herself with her local running stores. So she got on the phone with Kelly um, probably a year and a half ago and Kelly helped her find a good shoe. And so she knew when she was going to be in town, she wanted to go in and see Kelly and have her take a look and make sure she was fit properly. So I got to meet up with Shannon and spend the afternoon with her. And it was awesome. And I think that's really um, one of the um, just it really highlights one of the aspects of coaching that we love the most is the relationships that we form with um, our, our runners. And, um, you know, Chan and I were saying, we feel like we've known each other for, for years, for more, many more years than we have, and that we've like have met before, but we never have met in person. And we had that same feeling when we met a lot of our runners in Boston at our shakeout run. We knew them immediately when we saw them, even though we had never met in person before. And Shannon and I are lamenting that we don't live closer and spend more time together, but she has put the seed of the idea in my head of the Des Moines Marathon in the fall. So I may go out and visit her in Des Moines. Maybe I'll make that my fall. I told her I'm not ready to commit to a fall marathon yet. I have to get through my spring marathon. But if I do a fall marathon, Des Moines is now moved to the top of my list. So it was really great. And huge shout out to Kelly and Ray at RJ because Kelly was there, but also Ray happened to be in the store. And Kelly and Ray are two, we call them our shoe gurus at RJ Sports. Um, they also work with us at the Montgomery County Roadrunners Club Run Performance Lab. And they both happen to be 
in uh, in the store yesterday and spent over an hour with Shannon, making sure that she has shoes um, that are going to serve her well. And um, Shannon took them back. She actually wore them on the plane back to <laughs> back to uh, back to when they told her because she's got a long run coming up this week. And they said before you do your long run in them, um, they're not too different than her other shoes, so she should she should be able to run her long run in them. They said, but you know what? Wear them on the plane. So it was very cute. Shannon was all dressed up in a suit from an, you know, some, some uh, meetings she had had earlier in the day and a beautiful suit and her and her spiffy new running shoes um, from, from R&J Sports. So real huge shout out to Kelly and Ray. They, I call them the um, shoe CSI team because they really, um, they really look for hints and clues as what's going on with runners. And it backed up everything that, um, you know, that she's noticed about herself and that she's had um, physical therapists notice and um, they found the right shoe for her. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but shout out to RNJ sports for always supporting us and supporting our runners so thoroughly. Yeah, for sure. So that's a great reason to miss the interview. We certainly missed you and we're glad that you're able to support Shannon and yeah, so we, we don't want to delay this any further. We hope that everyone enjoys this conversation with Brianna Bamer. She's just a force to be reckoned with, and we so enjoyed learning about her running and triathlon journey. So Lisa, I hope you have a great week, and here's hoping that we won't be talking about the weather next week. Hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Bye. Bye, Julie. Brianna Bamer, welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. I am so excited to talk with you today. As I mentioned offline, Lisa and I have been following your journey for quite some time. And what you've accomplished most recently is incredible, which says a lot because you have accomplished a lot over the last 20 years as <laughs> a you. runner, a runner and a coach and um, the COO of Run the Edge. And we're going to get into all of that. So um, welcome. And we're just really delighted to have you today. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So let's get started. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Talk to us about your running and your um, personal background a little bit. Sure. Um, well, as you said, I've been running for a really long time. I, I did start running quote unquote late and in, in that I started my, when I was in high school, my sophomore year of high school, when I couldn't make varsity in any other sport. I mean, running was literally, yeah, I love it. <laughs> it was like, my, my dad was like, well, why don't you go for cross country? I'm like, and run? Are you crazy? Like, I no, no, I don't want to do that. Um, but I did my sophomore year went out for cross country and, um, it was the one sport I could do for some reason, you know, like I fell in love with running. Um, but by starting late, I think it actually, and that's kind of like, I, I think what has helped me even now is, I, I didn't burn myself out like some of my teammates. Um, and so when I was in high school, I, you know, ended up finding, you know, success, you know, fairly quickly in terms of being you know, like the top runner on the team and eventually winning a state title. And so was able to run in college. Um, and what and state, I, in what state was that where you won the state title? Colorado. So I was born Which and says in a lot. <laughs> because there are a lot of incredible runners in the state of Colorado. There Continue. are, there are, there are. Yeah. I, I've always been fortunate to be surrounded by amazing runners, um, which, you know, is sometimes it's like that blessing and a curse. You see these amazing runners and you're, you kind of almost think like, ah, I can't do that. Like that's, you know, and that's actually been something that I struggled with throughout my entire athletic career. And just recently, you know, in my forties have realized that that was a silly way to think, you know, like always thinking that oh, I'm not, I'm not quite that good, you know, like that's, that's beyond what I'm capable of and realizing that, you know, the limitations I was putting on myself were literally just my own, you know? Um, so I, I was lucky enough to run in college. I ran at CU for two years and then transferred to the university of Wisconsin and ran there for two years. Um, and, was so lucky to run with amazing runners. Um, I've got to run with Kara Goucher and um, it's, you know, that's how actually I know Adam and being able to run, uh, work at Run the Edge now because um, he founded that company. But uh, yeah, I just was surrounded by amazing runners, but was always injured. Um, I was injured a lot in college. And so when I graduated, I decided I don't know if running is my thing. And I took up triathlon because I was already cross training all the time anyway. <laughs> and I had a friend who was like, you, you know, you're swimming and biking a lot. Why don't you just do a triathlon? And 
I ended up, that was something that I could do and stay injury free. And I did that for quite some time, but always had my own, um, personal, you know, pursuits that I was focused on, you know, my career. And so for six years, I didn't compete at all. Um, I just was building businesses. My husband and I built a corporate wellness company and then uh, built a corporate wellness tech company, um, which led me eventually to run the edge, you know, just constantly being in the fitness tech world. Um, and I just didn't, I just kind of did things for fun. I, Kira D'Amato's story, like makes me sometimes think like, you know, she just took all this time out. I'm like, I just didn't do much. You know, I, I stayed healthy, but I was focused on my career. Um, and I, you know, in my mind, I thought, because I was injured in college, I saw runners like Kara Goucher. I'm like, I can't do that. You know, so why am I, why am I putting forth all of this? You know, like I can't do that. So let me focus on other things, even though I absolutely love to run and I love um, being active, I wasn't going to make that a career. And so, you know, I wanted to focus on the things that I knew that I could make a career. Um, so six years off um, and just building tech, uh, fitness tech companies. Um, and oddly, the, this is a bit of a fast forward, but oddly the pandemic uh, helped me find my love for running again. Um, I had done triathlon for several years, have had success in it, doing Ironman distance races and competing at Kona. And, but I never really, really loved that. Um, I love to run. Um, but I kind of thought my running days were over, but the pandemic was like, you know what, I'm just going to do what I love, which is run. And so that's all I did. I just ran and found my love for running again and, uh, found a group of people to run with. And it's, it's amazing when we just follow the things that we love to do, what happens? Um, I realized it's not too late, you know, like I started running, I'm like, wow, I'm running, I'm running pretty fast. Like I, you know, the talent that I thought I had that in deep inside I knew was there, um, was starting to show. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm in my forties, what's going on, you know, but it, that, it never leaves. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we give up on ourselves, but we don't realize that our body hasn't given up. You know, and I think if, if we can let our bodies do the things that it's capable of and get our mind out, out of this, like, oh, it's not, I can't, you'd be amazed at what happens. Um, and so that's what I did. You know, I just, I just enjoyed what I was doing and let my body do the things that I always thought it was capable of, but just never allowed it to, you know, put other things in the way, other barriers. Um, and the, the, the important part of it too, is I didn't get rid of all the things that I do that I also enjoy in my, my life, which is my career. Um, you know, I'm teaching at the university now. I teach a, an entrepreneurship class um, for young students. I love uh, coaching and teaching, whether it's athletics or in business. And I still do those things. And I don't, I'm not a professional runner. I'm not running, you know, 120 miles a week. And I can still do those things by not putting the barriers that I have to be like something that you see. And I think, I don't know, social media in particular gives you these impressions of what you're supposed to do. Um, and because I'm older, like I grew up in a generation where we didn't have those things. And I just went back to that in my mind. I'm like, I don't need to, once upon a time, these things didn't exist. I don't need to use that as my metric, you know, like I, I get to decide what those metrics are. Um, and so by doing that, again, like I, I'm not running 120 miles a week. I'm doing the things that are good for me, um, which is, you know, still focusing on my career, still, still doing, um, the, the things that I need to, to keep myself healthy and just believing that my body is more than capable of the things that it always has been just not putting that mental barrier. So, um, it's a little I bit of a synopsis. I love that so much. You know, I love like, that so much. It reminds me very much of, um, there's a parallel between, as you mentioned, you and Kira D'Amato, because, you found joy in your running and you figured out a way to pursue that joy without giving up on the things that also are your passions. And so let's unpack a little bit of that and and go back a little bit. I want to start with, um, you mentioned that in college you were injured a lot and you switched programs. What was your coaching like? And do you feel like that influenced your decision to go into triathlon after college um, as a result? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so like at Colorado, the the running was very endurance uh, lineard based at the time. I, I, you know, my coach was Mark Wetmore, who's still the coach there. Um, and I, I, you know, didn't really have a ton of injuries um, at Colorado. But then when I transferred to Wisconsin, my coach Peter Teagan was very European based, and it was a lot of speed work. 
my body just, I mean, I was getting injuries that sprinters get, you know, hamstring tears and just crazy stuff. And, um, but in my mind, it, it made me think that like my body just couldn't handle this high level running, you know, and just wasn't cut out for it. Um, not realizing that, you know, what I was doing was just not the type of training that my body could do, you know? And so it was when I, when I graduated triathlon was something that was back to that endurance space. When you talk about what kind of worked for me, that worked, you know, I could go for long bike rides and I could do these like more aerobic based stuff and I wouldn't get injured. Um, so it, it was, it, it's funny cause it took a long time for me to realize that, you know, when you're, I don't think all athletes do this, but I'm definitely the athlete. If my coach tells me to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. They're my coach, you know? And so when I was at Wisconsin, you know, my coach is telling me like, do these sprints, all these types of things. And I'm just doing them because that's, I'm here to run for that coach. And so that's what I'm going to do. Um, but it wasn't until I took up triathlon after, and that got back to that more endurance base, not as much speed, more, um, like aerobic based training that I realized that that's what actually my body responded to. Um, and for whatever reason, I didn't think I could go back to running. I just kept on the triathlon train, but it was what my body could actually handle. Um, so even though you were on the triathlon train, you still were running a lot of miles because of course a full Ironman is a marathon. Yes. So how, how did you approach that and still not get injured? Um, while of course, unlike college balancing, working and, and starting up startups and all the things that you were doing at the same time were there things that you switched in your training that you continue to do today that of course were different than what you were doing in college? Yeah. Well, I think uh, the number one thing about triathlon is that by nature of what it is, you're, you're cross training. And so, yeah, I was running, I was running, but not nearly the volume um, that I would normally run because I had to do the biking and swimming. And so my body was focusing on when I was running, focusing on what is the purpose of this run, you know, and it's something I, I wish I had learned a long time ago. And now just as I run, like going back to just running every day, I'm like, what is the purpose of this workout? Is it to go easy? Is it to, cause triathlon forces you really forces you to think, why am I doing that? Cause you only have so many hours and you have to fit in all this stuff. And so by focusing on why am I doing, what am I doing? You know, is this supposed to be an easy run? Is this supposed to be uh, at threshold? What have you? Um, and that's probably one of the biggest things that taught me so that I could actually get through an Ironman. I, I mean, there's nothing more daunting to me. Uh, marathons are scary, but Ironman to me was, I still remember my first Ironman and standing at the, at, at the edge of the water going, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to finish because you don't ever do a full Ironman in training. So you, you stand there and you're thinking like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's something that taught me a lot about, you know, putting all these pieces together in a meaningful way, because you have to, you really have to focus on that. And it's not that running doesn't do that, but I think running is a little bit more old school. at least when I, you know, first started where we didn't have, you know, sometimes it was like, just go run hard every day, try to keep up, you know, like, instead of really thinking like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, I only have so many hours in the day and that has carried through. So now that now running in my forties, um, again, I'm not running like huge volume. I'm making sure that what I do run, there's a reason behind it, you know, so that I can keep running and not be injured. I love that. And what generally is your volume um, when you hit your peak training? Uh, I've been around 80 to 90 miles a week, which to me, like, so in triathlon, I was running probably 30 to 40 at the most, you know, I mean, that's all you can really fit in with the biking and the swimming. So 80 to 90 to me is a lot. Um, and it's, it's probably all I can, I think I can do, you know, it's, and I've thought about like, once I hit nine, I hit 90 a couple of times, like, could I run a few more miles this week? I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. This is good. <laughs> and I mean, nowadays, I mean, when I was in college, that would have been a lot. Uh, nowadays that doesn't sound like as I know that you you read all these things and I think what I would love to encourage people is just because you see people doing these hundred plus mile weeks does not mean it's you know there's that cliche there's a million ways to skin a cat you can get from point A to point B a lot of different ways um, and I feel strong and healthy doing that mileage um, and I I you know when I when I ran my most recent marathon, there was not one single point in the race where I felt like my body was breaking down because I didn't run enough, you know? So, yeah. And, and to some people, just by way of background, 80 to 90 miles is legit. That's a lot of miles. Yeah. It, it feels like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that you, you raise a great point, which is there's a lot of comparison and there are so many ways to get to the point that you were able to get to, which we'll get to in a second. But it's important to note that what works for you know what works for you. And that's because you looked at your historical data, you looked at your triathlon training, you took that into consideration and then put together a program for you when you decided that you wanted to start just quote unquote running. Yeah. Again. So let's, mm-hmm. let's fast forward a little bit from your success in triathlon and, and go to the beginning of the pandemic when you realized that you wanted to start focusing on more running. Um, talk to me about that and how that sort of morphed into suddenly training for a marathon in, in a more aggressive way than what you've done in the past. So I'm not, you know, I think a lot of people with the pandemic, um, we all kind of have been dealing with it in different ways. And for me, I, you know, I needed to go find something that I enjoyed doing every day. And honestly, I don't really like biking and swimming. (laughs) I never really have, but I felt like it was all, I felt like that was what I could do. And I, I mean, exercise has always been a great outlet for me. And because I had success at triathlon, I felt like, oh, you know, like this is, I guess what I'm good at. I I'm not as good of a runner as I thought I was, you know, and even though deep down in my mind, you know, I'd see, and don't take this right. You know, like I see Kara Goucher doing things. I'm like, well, I did run with her once upon a time. Like, is it possible? But then I started to think, no, I'm not that good. You know, like you even have people tell you, you know, I mean, I, my coach in college was like, well, you're not that good. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not that good, you know? And if there's anything I can tell you, don't believe what people tell you about what you can and can't do. Um, I know it's cliche, but if you want to go after something, you should. And the pandemic was something where I felt like, you know what, <laughs> we're all in this state of, you know, uncertainty, what's going to happen next. I want to do the things that I really love to do. And running was, was something I, it's what I love to do. And I didn't have the goal to like do anything amazing with it. I just wanted to run. And the amazing thing about that was that by just doing what I loved, all of a sudden I was back to running things that I ran in college, you know, like running workouts that I I did in college. And I'm like, wait, but I'm old, (laughs) you know, which I mean, and and not to say like, but you know, you, you, you see all these 20 and 30 somethings doing stuff and you're like, I'm in my forties. Like there's no way. Um, but I'm, I'm doing it. And so, and then it's, it's funny, the spark, you just, you do a few things that give you that little spark of like, wait, I I'm doing something that I used to do. And before you know it, you, you believe, even if no one else, you know, we were, we were talking about this offline, like, even if no one knows who you are, I mean, I, I go to these races and everybody knows each other and I don't know anybody because I haven't been in the running scene. You know, I've been in the triathlon scene for a while and, you know, back in the day, I knew all these runners and now I show up and I'm like, I don't, I don't know any of these people. They don't know who I am. Um, and that's actually well, now, the they do. Oh, now yeah. they do because you, uh, you finished right behind Sarah Vaughn at CIM. <laughs> so now they know, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, can you talk a little bit about the workouts that you were doing during the pandemic that you hadn't done? And did you have any fear about doing those workouts given your injury history um, once you started those again? Yeah, actually huge because when I first started training, um, I, I joined up with a group here. One of the things I realized after for a big chunk of the pandemic, I was just running by myself doing all aerobic runs and not getting injured because as I said, like I, what I realized was obviously aerobic based stuff never really bothered my body. I'm pretty durable, but anything speed wise, I tend to get hurt. And so I finally was like, I need to join a group if I'm going to actually do workouts. And so I joined a, a group called the Boulder underground and, um, met some really great people and was doing pretty well. And then had my first like speed workout and I got hurt and I was injured this, uh, this past summer for several months because I hurt my, my Achilles tendons are like my, the bane of my existence. And so I, I strained my Achilles. Um, and you know, I was like, shoot, this isn't, I can't do this kind of stuff, but I talked to the coach and you know, I got myself healthy. Um, I actually ran the Chicago marathon with one of my teammates, but I was pacing her and hadn't really done any workouts yet. And so after Chicago, um, when you're talking about like what workouts, you know, 
I was, I was really afraid to get back to doing hard workouts, but we went to like, let's do endurance type stuff. Let's do tempos. Let's do that. You know, let's not do anything fast. And, uh, the first kind of like tempo type thing that we did, I was very nervous about it. It was just 20 minutes, just a 20 minute tempo. And, uh, I put on my speed shoes and I averaged, um, like 534 pace for it. And I was like, I don't think I ever did that in college for 20 minutes, you know, like, I mean, I'm at, I'm out at altitude and everything, but I was like, oh my gosh, like I can do this. I just, you know, and it, it, it's like these little, th- I was so afraid, you know, and particularly cause I had actually gotten injured that summer doing 200 meter repeats. And I realized I can't do that. Just don't do it. You know? And, and then I did this one workout where it was like, wait, I can do this, you know? And so, you know, you learn when you get back to things, like, even if you have the little bumps in the road, cause I did, I questioned it last summer, you know, I was like, nope, I can't, I just keep getting injured, but, um, I didn't give up, you know, I came back and that first workout back was definitely probably one of the scariest things, just like standing with a bunch of people who have been training all summer, but, um, I did it. And then each workout after I just gained a little bit more confidence in the fact that as long as I'm doing what, what I need to do to get to the start line healthy, it's, it, it could be a special day, you know, it could be something really special. So. So I love this because, um, as a coach, you're also a coach and we'll get into that in a few minutes, but I do find Lisa and I do find that, uh, that tempo workout is really key for not just marathoners, but masters runners in general, there's something about, you can still generate speed and have great results, but there is something about dipping into the 200 and 400 sometimes on the track for some that can yep. lead to injury. And it's really, I mean, for you, it was probably the difference of what, you know, 30 seconds per mile. Yeah. And, and just that little bit irritated your Achilles. So before we move on to you getting to do the marathon, how did you rehab so quickly from having Achilles issues in the summer, getting yourself to a place by October where you could pay someone in the Chicago marathon? And I believe you, you paced someone to, it was a three nineteen, uh, two fifty nine. I'm she, sorry. Two fifty nine. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So that was a very, very fast, long. <laughs> yes, I know it was. I know. <laughs> that you did just a few months after, um, injuring your Achilles. So take us through, um, for those listening who've had injuries, how you rehab that so quickly and how you came back and you were able to settle into that pace without worrying about re-injuring yourself. It's a great question. And I think it's funny. Um, I always say if I had known, um, so hopefully like people who are listening, um, you know, you don't take 20 years to learn these lessons, but, you know, when, when I was injured, when I was younger, there's always this impetus of like, I need to get back fast. I need to just, but I can't lose my fitness. I need to, you know, and so I'm constantly cross training as hard as I can and, um, not paying attention to the little things that I need to do. And old, as I'm older now, I realized that, um, it's, it's not like all of this fitness is just going to completely disappear. I, what I need to focus on is therapy and the things to get healthy so that I can get back to training. If I keep pounding myself, then I, you know, I'm just extending this injury. Like what, what am I really getting out of that? And so, um, my, my, my priority every day was to do the therapy and the things that I needed to do to make my Achilles strong and not pound my body and make it so that it wasn't able to rehab. Um, you know, cross training is obviously very valuable, but if I'm doing cross training, that's just counterproductive and over irritating it, then it's not, it's not actually helpful. And, you know, one of the things I've learned over time is I, I can be out. I had a trainer in college tell me this, and it just took me years to to learn it. It's like, you can be out for three days or you can be out for three months. It's your choice, you know? (laughs) And so, and the three, what he's saying is for three days, just rest, just do the therapy I'm telling you to do. Don't, don't overdo it. And, but I, I was like, no, no, I can't, I can't lose fitness. Can't lose fitness. Got to do these things. Um, and so if there's anything that I can impart on people is that calm of just being okay with doing the thing, you know, I know we're sometimes we're so like, I have to get in this amount of time or this intensity. And really what you need to do is let your body take care of itself. And so that's what I did is I really focused on the therapy and all the little things, you know, I, I swam, I, 
the benefit of having, you know, triathlon in my background is I can do things that didn't irritate it. So I kept my cardiovascular fitness going with some swimming and some biking that didn't irritate my, didn't really do anything super hard. Um, and it allowed me to come back, you know, strong, just as strong, you know, and quicker than had I continued to push, push, push. Um, it's probably the biggest mistake I see. What kind of therapy did you do specifically to rehab your Achilles? The reason I'm, I'm getting specific is because we have a few, it, it's a very common injury for masters runners. We have a few runners yeah. struggling with it. I've personally had some Achilles issues myself and I'm just curious what you did because it does, and take us through the timeline of the injury and, and when yeah. you, like you could get back to running. So I... I've probably seen every PT in the world. I feel like with all the injuries I've had over my career. Um, but the consistent thing with my Achilles tendons that all the PTs have had me do is, is forms of um, eccentric and concentric loading. And so both have actually worked really well for me, static holds and uh, eccentric loading with weight. And so I, my biggest problem is if I don't do that consistently, even after I'm injured, so I, once I'm healthy, that's when I run into trouble. And so I, I've learned as I've gotten older, this was the the big wake up calls after you get injured, don't stop your therapy, keep doing it. <laughs> and so the eccentric and concentric, um, exercises, um, and then balance based stuff. I actually have a, a mobile board that, um, I do a lot of balance, um, and just ankle mobility. Um, as I get, have gotten older, that is definitely something I've noticed just generally, I don't know about you, but when I wake up and I try to walk down the stairs, it's not always pretty. <laughs> so, like when I was 20, I just hop out of bed. I mean, it's like, I know it sounds silly, but it's true. And no, so I, the, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> so the mobility is really has helped me so that when I wake up, at least like I'm not walking down the stairs, you know, quite as stiff. Um, so those are like my staples that I've done. And then Oddly, I, this probably will sound a little cheap, but I, I do like some form of, of yoga type stretching, um, every other day, um, just t 10 to 15 minutes, but it makes such a difference because I just, I, you know, I have a real, you know, I have a day job. I'm sitting at a desk. I, you know, like anyone who can relate to that, or just, you know, a mom who's like constantly on the go, their body's tight. Um, it's helped me so, so much. So that's great advice. So you how did you get back so quickly? Um, you said you did a lot of cross training and then you found yourself towing the start line in Chicago, not very long after did that surprise you? And what was the timeline with that? It's, it surprised me a little, but it also, I think, um, one of the biggest things as a, as an older athlete is you don't realize, you know, all training is, is accumulation over time. You know, like I have all this training behind me. It's not what happened three months ago. It's what's happened for the last 20 years that's in my body, you know? And so that, you know, it's like some, I, I definitely had some teammates who were like, wow, how'd you do it? I'm like, well, I've been doing this forever, <laughs> you know? And so my body, it's not like it's forgotten. Like we have to remember that it's got years and years and years in it. And so really it was just a matter of getting healthy. You know, my cardiovascular engine's there. The, the muscle memory is there. The strength is there. Um, and I did all the therapy and all the strength training and, and, you know, enough cross training to, to keep things, you know, going. Um, so it wasn't a surprise to me actually, when I, when I thought about all the time that I've spent building up, if I was in my twenties, it would have been a lot harder, <laughs> I think. Got it. Well, I think, I think these are, there's are so many lessons in this and that's why I just wanted to address your injury most recently yeah. and then take us through you, you paced someone to a two fifty nine, And was that the moment when you decided to go for it at CIM? Yeah. So Chicago was what I was supposed to race. Um, it was the Chicago marathon, but obviously I, with my injury over the summer, I, there was no way I was going to race it, but my teammate, uh, was trying to go after a, a time. And so I was like, well, I'll, I can pace, you know, that'll be something uh, I can do. And I wasn't sure how long I was going to pace her, or, you know, just see how my body felt. Um, but I ended up being able to pace her for the whole thing. And then talking with my coach, I'm like, okay, let's, he's like, see, I am in December that we have time, you know, like, early October to early December, there's time. And so I didn't necessarily, he was throwing out times. Like, I think you can run under six minute pace. I'm like, you're nuts. You're nuts. Like, I don't think I can do that just yet, but he's like, no, I, I really think you can. So it's amazing. You should always believe in yourself first. I really believe that like, you can't, you have, you have to believe in yourself above all. If someone tells you, you can do something, it's not the same as you really believing it. But him even saying it, I was like, I need, you know, this person 
has been coaching for a long time too. Like, I'm just going to believe that what what's possible. And so I started training for the goal of just like, can I run sixes? And then as the training went, I'm like, I think I can run faster than sixes. And before I know it, like the, the reality was, is like, I think I can go out and, and do this event, not just running sixes, but maybe running 555s or 550s. Um, and just literally having that as, as the goal and then constantly adjusting it as I was training and believing in myself was, was huge. Um, so yeah, once we set the goal, then I was just like trying to continually say, okay, is this possible? Let's train for that. Okay. This is indicating this is possible. Let's train a little bit for that, you know? So. And then a few weeks before CIM, you, you tested your training and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was my first race back in a while. I signed up for a half marathon in Fort Collins and mind you, we're at altitude. Um, and Fort Collins is actually where I grew up. So it was like on the roads that I ran on as a kid, kid, I guess in my, you know, teens. Um, and so this, this, mar- this half marathon, it's called the horse half marathon is super hilly. It's a really hard, hard race. And so I had really no big expectations for it. Um, but I was going to go out and just basically run as hard as I could and see what happened. And honestly, I had a little bit of a freak out moment because Sarah Vaughn was in the race as well. Um, and then one of my teammates, Bria, uh, Wetch was in the race and she's a 229 marathoner. And I remember looking at the start line being like, Oh my gosh, like this is going to be like, it's okay, Brianna, just, you're just running your half, but there's some really good athletes here. And I am starting the, the start is up this super steep hill. And Sarah Vaughn is like right there. And I'm thinking, and I'm feeling really good, you know? And I mean, I know it's just the start, but I'm like, and I'm ahead of my teammate who is a really good marathoner. And I'm like, wait a second, you know, these realizations, like, we're going to stop, stop this, like believe in what you can do. And so that, you know, from that moment on, just seeing that Sarah Vaughn wasn't actually that far away, she did eventually pull quite a bit away from me, but I ended up getting second there. Um, But just seeing that I'm like, wait, I can compete. I can do this, you know? And it was instantaneously. And like, I'm really glad that that happened because then when I went to CIM in my mind, I didn't put any limitations on who I could compete with. You know, um, you just, you have to give yourself that. And I'm glad that happened. Um, that race, I, it's at altitude, but ran a half marathon faster than I had ever run a half marathon. And I was at altitude on a hilly course, you know, so it was like an incredible time. You ran a one, one seventeen. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yes. And that is a what is that like a 530, 530 pace? No, that's like, that's probably a little under sixes. I think. Okay. Yeah. A little okay. under sixes, but then I ended yeah. up running okay. my marathon. Um, and my coach was like, Oh, if you ran 117 here, I think you can probably run five fifties for a marathon, you know? And I'm, I was like, really, you know, in my mind. And I'm like, maybe I can, he's probably right. Like, you know, translating hilly, hilly half marathon, Um, I think, I think maybe I can go out at that pace, you know, once I'm at low altitude and on a a flatter course and, and that makes sense because your time at CIM was the exact pace pretty much that you ran the half in. So that must've been also a little bit tough mentally, even though you understood that the CIM course was at sea level and an easier course than what you ran in Fort Collins to say to yourself, I'm going to run marathon pace at what I ran a half marathon at a few weeks earlier. How did you get out of your head with that and just go for it? It's a really good question. I've been actually thinking about it. Um, when, so my coach is like, I want you to try to run like five fifties and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just do it. I'm just going to do it. So I went out at five fifties and, uh, Nell Rojas was supposed to be running that pace as well, but she was actually a little bit ahead of it. She was pacing someone she trains with. And so she was ahead and I I kept being like, Nope, just stick to your five fifties, like stick to this pace. And for like periods of time, I was like all by myself, um, there was a group of girls that I ran with for a little bit and then they dropped like a 543. And I was like, Oh, I can't do that. Like I need to back off. And the whole time I'm still thinking like, I don't even know if I can hold these five fifties. Like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm, I'm going to do it. And I went through the half at 116 something, which was, you know, faster than my, my 117. And I, I remember still thinking like, I just don't know, but I'm gonna, I'm just going to keep in my mind. I'm like, just keep doing it, you know, just stay as positive as possible of just, this is what we're trying And it's amazing how, as you tick off the miles in my mind, I just kept saying, all right, 
you know, like I'm still holding this pace. Can I hold it for another mile? Can I hold it for another mile? And I remember getting to mile 20 and catching all these women that had, had basically, you know, dropped me when they did that 543. And I caught back up to all of them. And it was this, this kind of feeling of like, you are just running your race. It was the first time I think I've ever really, truly just drowned out. It's just kind of like social media, like drown out all what everyone else is, is doing and just do your thing. And when I caught them at mile 20, it was a huge validation of like, you run your race, you're going to have your day. And each mile as I went, when I, I, I remember thinking when I, when I get to mile 24, cause I'd never run this fast in my entire life for a marathon. When I get to mile 24, if I'm still running this pace, then I'm just going to go as hard as I can for two miles, you know, like see what I can do. And I think I was in, I think I was like in 10th place at mile 20. And then at mile 24, I, I saw the eighth place the eighth place girl. And then the seventh place girl was up there. And I thought, this is going to sound silly, but seven is my favorite number. I really want to be seventh, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, catch the girl in eighth and I'm running as hard as I can, you know? And I'm like, I only have this mile left now. And then the girl in seventh was like literally right there. I passed her with maybe a hundred to go and ran as hard as I could. If you see pictures of me, my face is like, <laughs> like just literally running as hard as I can the last hundred, um, to try to pass her. And it was all because I did, I literally the whole time did my thing. And I never, you know, I never, even though I was in a territory I'd never been before, I never like let myself think that it wasn't possible, you know, just, okay. You know, like every mile, okay, do another one, you know, and just do your thing and, and try to zone out anything else that's going on. That fact that Nell was supposed to be near you running this pace, but isn't, it's okay. Those girls dropped you. It's okay. You know, uh, you went by in 116 when you just ran once. It's okay. Like, it's okay. Just keep pushing. Cause I think sometimes we let ourselves think when all these things are happening, wait, what am I doing? This is impossible, but really it's, it's fine. You know, so <laughs> So many great lessons, but I, I particularly see a common theme is that you, you seem to have had understandably some imposter syndrome and you overcame it and you overcame it in the moment, both at your half marathon and at your marathon, which is really incredible. And yeah. you also remind me of, um, we've had Dave McGilvery, the director of the Boston marathon on our podcast a few times. And he uses the quote often my race, my rules. And, and oh, that's, I love that. And he says it as a race director and also as a runner, but you as a runner, that's exactly what you did and yeah. what you continue to do because certainly your trajectory is unique. But the fact that you were able to, while running a 550 pace, then uh, enter a third gear and just <laughs> run the last two miles, what, what pace did you run the final two miles, you think? I, I, when I looked at my file, I think I was running like low 540s. So I, wow. I dropped about 10 seconds a mile. And I mean, I was literally... I mean, my legs, it's kind of funny. I'm sure you've had that experience where your legs are going, but your body isn't quite able to keep up with what your brain is telling yeah. it to do. You know, I'm like, come on, <laughs> like an out of body disconnected experience, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So when you crossed the finish line, did you, not only did you, um, have a huge PR, just what, what was your PR? Do you, do you even know them? number of minutes you PR. Oh, but race. well, I never, well, re technically I, the first open marathon I'd ever raced was Chicago with my friend. Every other marathon oh I've gosh. done has been off the bike <laughs> after running 112 miles. So, so I had PR technically by 27 minutes, you know, cause two, Incredible. I ran the 259 and then ran 233. So yeah. Um, and, and running and then, a, a marathon off the bike is so different. So yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. So much harder, but also less pressure, of course. Yes. And, yes. And <laughs> a diff totally different exercise in, in mind and body, yes. but you also, yes. you also achieved an, an OTQ under the new standard. So now you're, you're headed to the Olympic marathon trials. Uh, was that something I, uh, well, so that's always been a, you know, the, like the thing that sometimes like almost tears me up is I've wanted, that has been like this weird goal in my head that I wanted to go to the Olympic trials ever since I can remember. Um, and I, when the, when each trials came around, I never gave myself that opportunity. The last trials that came around, I always thought, ah, oh, Brianna, you're just, you're not that fast, you know? And you look at the times, like the last, you know, trial time, 245, I remember thinking like, oh, that's so fast. Like, I just don't know if I can do that. Um, 
And I never allowed myself to believe, I mean, I did try, but not really, you know what I mean? Like I never really, really tried. Um, so going into this race, that was not actually the goal. I, I guess I just kind of like, no, I'm just going to run and see how fast I can run because even 237 sounded kind of crazy, you know? And mm-hmm. even though like in the pace that I was going to go out at would have gotten is, you know, fast enough. I just tried to look at it more as let's just have this experience where you just try to see how fast you can go. And if the time's the time, then wonderful. But if it's not, it's not. Um, the one thing is though, is, so I did run the time, but the trial opening window is January 1st. Right. That's right. So, so yeah, so I have to do it again. I have to do it again. I know. So I have to do it again. Um, Boston, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, I think though it's a great lesson though, for those who are, whether one is trying to qualify for Boston or an OTQ is don't focus so much on the qualifying time, focus on your race and whatever happens, happens. Um, certainly if you're running and you see on your watch that you have a 236 and you need to get it yes. under a 237, <laughs> go for it. But to spend all of your training and your racing, thinking about that time versus thinking about your process, uh, I think you, you raise a great point. So yeah. shifting gears, uh, you are running Boston in April and you are running the pro field, which is incredible. So and excited. now you'll have your opportunity to OTQ, no pressure. I know. <laughs> how do you feel about running your first Boston ever in the professional field? I'm, you know, it's, it's a little bit surreal because again, I'm like in my forties now and to even like be on that list. It's like, I don't know you, you, it really is never give, never give up. Like, don't think you can't do things you want to do. Like it just, Oh, I've always wanted to do these things. And I counted myself out and I really, part of me thinks I'm like, I wish I hadn't counted myself out years ago. Cause I deep down, I knew I could do these things, but then part of me also realizes maybe I wasn't ready. And now is when I'm ready. Um, and I, I see the field me 10 years ago, this field is insane. I would have, I would have peed my pants and been like, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, like I can't. Now I look at it and I go, oh my gosh, I get to be a part of this. And I'm so excited. And I don't care if I'm the last pro, it doesn't matter. I'm just so excited that I get to line up with these amazing women on the same day. Like, like there's just the opportunity. And I think it's just such a, for me, it's actually a refreshing thing that I can look at it that way, because I think me in the past would have been, I mean, I think about when I ran in high school, you know, at the state meet and I would look at people and be intimidated just by looking at them. Oh, they look fitter than me. Oh, I can't, I can't. And now I look at it as just this incredible opportunity I've been given by just not putting a limitation on myself. And so even in the race, like I'm not going to put a limitation on what's possible. You know, I I may not be in the mix. I may, who knows, but I'm not going to go into the race thinking I can't, you know, like that's just silly. I, I, I get to be there. Why not make the most of the opportunity and what a gift to be able to run with these people. I mean, you look at the list and it's just amazing. When, when will I ever get that type of opportunity again at Boston too? I've never run it. I've heard it's amazing. I hear the crowds are amazing. Like, I just can't wait to experience all of that. Um, so yeah, I'm just super, super excited and just feel so fortunate that, you know, like when I, I had, you know, someone was asking me like, how'd you get in the film? Like, well, I just emailed them. Like, I mean, I'm, cause I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a pro or anything. Right. So I'm like, hi, I ran 233. Can I be in your elite field? <laughs> yeah, that's hysterical. That's the best. Yeah. And what was their response? They're like, oh, absolutely. You know? And I was like, really? Oh. <laughs> you know, like still like a kid in a candy store, like, wait, really? Can I, you know, can I, ha ha, you know? And so, um, yeah, the, the, the elite director was like, absolutely. We'd be honored to have you. And, uh, you know, well, you're, you're in, you'll have bottles. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, and all I did was just send them an email. (laughs) I love that so much. I assume you also got a free race entry. You didn't have to submit your credit card information. I had already paid. Oh my I know. Cause I didn't think, so here's like, right. I've already, I'd already paid for, but I was like, hi, like, and that, that was even in my email. I'm like, I already paid. You don't even have to pay for me. I just really want to run in the elite field. <laughs> that is the best story. And I think it's also so cool. Um, how you got in just by emailing because 
you're not a sponsored runner. You, no. you are on the radar now, but of course it was a surprise to even you, but also uh, how serendipitous that you are running um, the year of the 50th anniversary of women celebrating women's running. And, yeah. um, you know, 50 years ago, just running a marathon as a woman was an historical event. And now look at you. And I think this field is, this field definitely is, is known as the fastest pro women's field yet at Boston, but also notably there you're in good company. There are quite a few masters runners. I believe you are the fastest, one of the fastest master, if not the fastest masters running time in the field. Um, and you're in great company. Of course, one of our past uh, podcast guests, Kate Landau was on and she's also, and just, I think that for you to be a member of that club within the club is it's quite a feather in your cap. And I, I mean, you're, it's so deserving, but I know there are so many people out there listening to your story that are not just inspired by how you were able to achieve the time you achieved, but also your age. You're certainly not old at all, but you represent that age is there's no limit and don't limit yourself. And that's definitely a theme of your message. And so appreciate it. And uh, can't wait to see you get out there and just kick butt on that course. It's going to be great. Thank you. I'll be carrying so much with me, like, you know, people like you supporting me. It's amazing what, um, you know, it's like the, the little voices that are telling you what you can, like, I carry all that with me. And, um, if you don't like one small thing is like, I lost my mom when I was really, really young. And, uh, like, it means a lot to me, even just like, as a, like, to like represent women in that way, like, and not give up. Like, I kind of think about, like, I think about my mom and like the, like things that she was a, a paralegal, she was a, a lawyer, like in a field where it's mostly men. And you're just, I don't know. It's like, we realize as we get older, the things that really matter. And, uh, it just means a lot, you know, it means a lot to be a part of, you know, like this, this group of women. And like, you were just saying, even these amazing masters women that are like not putting limits on what's possible. Like I've, Kate's a perfect example. Like I look to women like that and I honestly am like, okay, they can do it. They're doing it. Like, why can't I do that? Why, you know, like that somewhat cliche, but why not me? It's like, I don't know why I ever limited what I was, what was possible. Um, and I, it makes me think like, maybe my, my best times are still ahead of me, you know, like I'm 43 now, but why not? You know, like, why not? Like, I know I'll slow down at some point, but not yet you know, <laughs> and, and more importantly, you're having fun. You're not putting pressure on yourself when achieving these, these times. And that's super important. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. You, you carry the history of, of women's running on your shoulders in many ways by, by the way you navigated this. So um, switching gears a little bit. I just want to talk briefly about um, what you do for run the edge, uh, share with our listeners what Run the Edge is, and Absolutely. Um, also about your coaching because you are also a coach on the side. Um, yeah. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about both. Absolutely, Julie. Um, so Run the Edge, I've actually been there almost five years. We are a fitness tech kind of company, really. Ultimately, but we do online fitness challenges. Uh, one of our biggest challenge uh, challenges is called Run the Year, and it's just what it says. You know, see if you can run the miles in the year. Um, what I love about run the edge, I'm the COO there. So I manage all the operations, um, you know, all the technology advancements that we try to put into our application. And I've been doing that for a long time. Um, but what I love about our audience is run the edge in particular goes after the everyday person. You know, we're not the Stravas or not the really competitive. It's literally the everyday person. And it's probably, probably sounds cheesy, but the emails we get from people saying that this changed their life, that they, you know, were able to achieve, uh, something that they never thought they could. And all it is, is just this online, you know, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it's just an online challenge. Um, it means a lot, you know, it's, it's why I, I've always encouraged, you know, any, any of the students that I teach, um, any, anybody that I've mentored in business is, when you're, when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, when you're making a difference in somebody's life, whatever it is. Um, cause I mean, picking up garbage also makes a difference in people's lives. You know, like there's so many things you can do that really make a difference. Um, it's the most fulfilling thing, no matter what you get paid. 
Um, and so I, I really love what we do because we really do help people find whatever it is, is their best fit self. You know, we, we talk about um, that we focus on this, like everyone included, everyone challenged, everyone successful mentality, that no matter where you come from, no matter where you're starting, you can, you can find this level of fitness and success. And so um, that's what the company's kind of after. And I, I feel really fortunate to be a part of that community. Um, and then I've been coaching for a really long time. I actually think I've been, I'm in my 20th year of coaching people. I don't do as much coaching as I used to, um, but I've coached triathletes and runners for almost for 20 years. Um, and I, it's on the same vein. I love helping people find their best self, whatever that is, you know, whatever that is, you know, if it's just to finish or if it's to try to set a PR, um, it's something I really, really love about coaching. And I think it, it relates to my business, um, experience. Like, I feel like when you're a good coach, you're, you're a good coworker, you're, you know, because you, you're, you're just good, um, in, at what you do in your job because you've learned how to help people find their best. I mean, that's part of any job is being a good coworker, um, a good teammate, you know? Um, and so I always will want to coach cause I feel like it makes me a better business person, businesswoman um, by learning how to bring out the best in people. Um, so it's something I, I don't think I'll ever get rid of, but I don't do as much because of my time. I used to coach a lot of people. Now I only coach five people because it's just, it's, as you know, as a coach, it's very time consuming when you, you're trying to help people. And I always want to give the most of myself. So. Yes. And, and you want to make sure when bringing out the best in them, you're not diluting their experience by. Exactly. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. And, and it's, it's very interesting how you look at coaching as helping you be, um, better in business, I would imagine also helps you be a better runner. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all relates. I, I, I would encourage people who've ever, you know, like coaching in particular, whether you are a coach or you're being coached, um, to look at the skills that you, that you have, that you gain from it, because it's, it's life skills, you know, I mean, you really like helping people through hard workouts, um, you know, managing life, you know, when some of the people I coach, I mean, they have full-time jobs and they have kids and it's like trying to navigate coaching is such a great metaphor for just everything that we have to do. Same with sport, you know? Um, so I, I will always coach cause I think it makes me a better just person, um, by having that experience. I love that. And, and you're definitely the kind of coach I can tell that you're, you're not just looking at data. You're looking at the no. big picture and determining how, how one can be at their best in spite of life's limitations and, and navigating that. So yes. that's a great coach because we can all look at data. Yes. But being able to sort of take that data and put it in a puzzle of someone's life is a whole other skill. And it's, it's, it's always a skill that you can be better at as you yes. continue to coach. So we talked a little bit about this offline, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think are some things people should look for when, when seeking a coach and what are some red flags that people should look for um, to avoid a coach? So, you know, the coaching industry is really interesting. And uh, my, like my, both my husband and I have been coaching for a really long time and it's been, there's been an interesting evolution um, of coaching, particularly recently, um, where you know coaching doesn't have the same certifications and uh, standards that let's say like a doctor. You know, it's like when you're a doctor, you have like boards that you have to pass, and every doctor has to do that. Um, with coaching, that's not the case. And and I, I I say this like cautiously, where it's like anyone can be a coach, when really not anyone can be should should be a coach. Like there's definitely um, you know, you should be looking for, you know, what has this person been, uh, how long is that, have they been coaching? What have they been doing, you know, with their education? You know, what, how have they educated themselves? Um, you know, what kind of certifications maybe do they have? Uh, what tools do they use to coach? You know, what are they asking of you? How are they asking it of you? Are they using an online tool to gather communication or is it just text messages? Is it something generic that you could just buy online? You know, um, so all those things really matter. And so when I'm looking for a coach myself, like I ask a lot of like, how, you know, where do you get your philosophy from? Like, you know, what, what kind of research are you using when you're, when you're coaching? Um, what do you deal with? How do you deal with the busy schedule and the emotional side of coaching? Um, cause those all matter. And it's not to say that somebody who's only been coaching for a year, isn't a good coach by any means, you know, there might be people who have other experience that lead them to be a good coach, even though they're new to it. 
Um, but I just caution people to, to ask all the questions and, and look at the deeper, like where is the information coming from and how is that coach actually addressing all the different aspects of your fitness, not just the workouts, because anyone can write a workout, you know, anyone can say, go do four by three minutes, hard, two minutes, easy. There's all the, but there's so much more to finding your best self and truly as we were talking, every athlete's different. A good coach is going to recognize that you're not the same as some other athlete they have. Um, and hence can't give you always the same workouts. And so, you know, you should ask those questions of how do you, you know, how do you deliver workouts individually to your athletes, um, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a tough place to navigate. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot more coaches out there than when I was just talking to a friend about this, when I was in, when I graduated from college, like coaching wasn't a thing, <laughs> you know, like you could, like they didn't use teams. It wasn't a thing. Now you can, there's lots of coaches and there's lots of teams and, um, you need to ask the critical questions to make sure that you're getting individualized attention. Um, a red flag to me, if somebody's coaching a lot of people, just think logically, how much time do they have to spend on me? How much time do they have spent to look at, at what I'm doing and what I'm telling Absolutely. them? So, you know, if a coach says I'm coaching 50, 60 athletes, okay. You know, like, is that your full-time job? What else do you do? You know, like how, how much time, you know, so it's, it's, I, I know coaches that have coached even more. And so it's, you know, if it's their full-time job, you know, then try to do the math and say, okay, is that reasonable? But definitely, you know, keep your, um, your radar on for what, you know, what is reasonable in terms of how much energy they can then give you, um, you know, for your goals. So absolutely all great points and, and much appreciated because yeah, yeah like we both are, have seen the, the change in coaching and it's important to, to buy or beware and sort of look at things from, um, uh, zoom out a little bit and look at things and then zoom in to interview coaches before deciding to hire one. So yeah. And personality point. matters too, right? Like, you know, oh, for can, sure. you know, can you get along with the coach? Um, so yeah, all great points. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. So, um, as we close out, just want to wish you the best of luck with your Boston training and, thank um, you, we're really excited to see you up in Boston. Maybe we'll get to meet you in person, but I would love it. <laughs> um, it's just been such a joy to talk with you, Brianna. You're, you're really, your story is very inspiring. We have no doubt that you will inspire many of our listeners once they hear about your journey. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. And, um, we look forward to seeing continued success with you and hopefully meeting you in person in Boston. Oh, thank you, Julie. And I just want to thank you for what you do for the running community. It's, it's fantastic to share these messages and, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you reaching out and bringing me on. Oh, it, it was, it was such a pleasure. So oh, thanks, thank Brianna. you, Julie. Thank you. Have a great week. Yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.